I just want to thank uh, Pastor Rajiv and Pastor Senior Pastor for giving uh, me this honor and privilege to actually share what God's placed in my heart. Uh, even before we get into God's word, why don't we just close our eyes for a minute and look to God and prepare our hearts. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here. Thank you that your presence is here in a strong way, in a tangible way. And even before we listen to the word of God, we want to prepare our hearts. We want to, we pray that the soil of our heart may be fertile ground. That even as the seed of God's word is sown, that it will take deep root. And Lord, it will accomplish the work for which it was sent. We know that your word does not return void. It is sent and it accomplishes its purpose. And Father, you know our situations at an individual level. You know our circumstances at an individual level, O oh Father. And Lord, we pray that you will speak to us. Speak words that are not just ear-tingling, but speak words which are life-changing. Uh, speak words, O oh Master, which, which raise up dead situations in our lives. Speak words, O oh Master, which brings hope in circumstances which we have written off, O oh Father God. Lord, even as your word goes out, I pray, O oh Father God, that it will bring healing to our mind, to our soul, and to our bodies, O oh Father. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, it's Revelations chapter 3 and verse 8. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 8, right? This is what we read there. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I have placed before you an open door which no man can can shut. The word that I have from the Lord for you this morning is titled doors. It's titled doors. If you want to add open doors, you can call it open doors, right? So what about open doors? You know, and you read this verse, it's such an amazing verse because Jesus says, you know, I have placed before you an open door, not man. You know, you don't have to go and open the door. You know, when you walk into a, a mall or you walk into an airport, even as you approach the door, till you approach the door, the door is closed. But as you get close to the door, the sensor picks up our presence. And as you come so close to the door, then the door opens, right? You didn't put any effort. I didn't put any effort. We just walk towards the door and the door opened by itself. And that's the door which Jesus says he opens for us. It does not need the intervention of man. It does not need your effort or my individual effort, right? Jesus says, I have set before you an open door. And the thing about open doors is it leads us to the next level. Yeah, it leads us. When God opens a door, it almost always means it implies that it leads us to the next level. You were here at this level, but as you step into the open door, you go into the next level, right? But the challenge is we have to be able to recognize the doors that God opens for us. We have to recognize the doors that God opens for us. And often we don't recognize the doors because in our mind we have another image of what a God-opened door would look like for us. You know, and when, when you don't recognize, you don't walk into the paths, the places 
and the positions that god has prepared for us when you don't you you don't able to, not able to recognize the door i mean you're not walking into that door you're not walking into the places the positions and the paths that god has has set for us to actually walk in and in our mind we consider open doors to be doors of green pastures yeah it may be green pastures but i want to tell you this morning not all doors that god opens for us may look like green pastures and that's the fault that we actually make but you know it's not about what kind of door that god opens for us but what is critical for us to understand is who opens the door for us our god is a loving father our god is the one who plans for us jeremiah 29:11 the famous verse right for i know the plans that i have for you and i've got good plans for you says the lord so it's not about i lord i want the door to be like this but it's more about lord if you open the door for me i'll walk into it okay i i can't understand this door you're opening for me but i i know who opens the door for me and i know you lord and i know you got my best interest for me so i'm happy to walk into the door that you actually opens you open for me you have to understand this a god open door leads you into the position the plan and the purposes of god i want to say that again a god open door leads you into the position the plan and the purposes of god which god has prepared for you and me right i want to introduce you to some four doors actually i want to introduce you to four types of doors that god opens which very often we don't recognize and what are those four doors right the first door i want to talk to you about is what i call a door in the middle of nowhere a door in the middle of nowhere you have your bibles it's first kings chapter 17 and verse 1 first kings chapter 17 and verse 1 okay i'm going to read this for you now elijah the tishbite from tishbe in gilead said to ahab okay elijah the mighty prophet ahab a powerful king right and this is what he tells king ahab as the lord the god of israel lives whom i serve there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word right now this was elijah's big moment he was standing in front of a powerful king and he's making a very bold declaration he's he's uttering a prophecy there and he says oh king i want you to understand because of the god that i serve i'm making a statement to you and the statement is this this land will neither have rain nor will it have dew except until i speak for it for the next few years there isn't going to be rain at all now this was his big moment he had spoken he had declared a drought a famine and there was going to be a famine in the land right but it also was a moment of personal danger because you know what he said didn't exactly excite the king the king was really angry with him okay and and his life was in danger but god at that precise moment opens a door for elijah he opens a door for elijah and it wasn't the door didn't seem very grand it didn't seem very royal because it was a door in the middle of nowhere right if you continue to read your bible first kings chapter 17 verse 2 and 6 let's read that first kings 17 verse 2 and 6 then the word of the lord came to elijah leave here 
turn eastward and hide in the Kherith ravine east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerith Ravine east of Jordan, stayed there. The ravens uh, brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Okay, so God tells him, leave where you are, go to east of Jordan. Uh, Jordan is a river. Go, you know, go there in the east and you camp there in this place called Kerith Ravine. Okay, the meaning of the word Kerith, K-E-R-I-T-H, means to cut off or cutting off okay it means to cut off or cutting off and god caused elijah to pass through a door so that elijah was cut off from king ahab from jezebel his mean wife i mean ahab's mean wife and the rest of the army okay kerith ravine ravine what does ravine mean okay ravine often is a symbol of death of wilderness you know, nobody intentionally says, I've booked my tickets because I'm, me and my family are going on a holiday. Where are you going on a holiday? Well, we're going to spend some time in the ravine. Nobody plans to spend time at the ravine, right? Because it's a tough place. You, know, you can't spend time there. Okay, but God opened the door for Elijah. And the door was actually to Kerith ravine. In other words, Elijah was cut off into the wilderness. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, there's a famine and all that. God could have asked Elijah to camp at the Jordan. Why beside the Jordan, east of Jordan? God could have asked Elijah, camp near the Jordan. The Jordan is a river. And even though there was a famine, there could have been some residual water that's available in the uh, Jordan. Uh, and the water content in Jordan perhaps would be definitely more than the water content in that little brook. Right? And if there's water there, it meant more supply of food, it meant vegetation. Uh, you know, it would have been commonsensically, logically, it would made more sense to camp near at the Jordan rather than at the brook. But that's where the wisdom of God comes in. Because his thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. And his ways are very different from our ways. And very often in life, you know, we want, it, it makes sense in, for us to be here, but God says, hey, don't be here, go there. You know, it makes sense for God to answer our prayers in a certain way. But God answers our prayers in a very different way. And we're saying, God, I didn't want this kind of an answer. I was hoping you'll do it for me this way. And Elijah found himself in a situation just like that. Right? I want to ask you this question. That you followed God. You've chosen to be led by him. And really, do you find yourself in life right now? in a door which seems to be leading you to the middle of nowhere. But the thing about the door of nowhere is that God opened um, and included a supernatural provision for Elijah, right? Lord, the Jordan would have been better, Lord, there's food there. But God said, hey, don't, 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 you trust me and you follow me where I will send you because I will send you a supernatural provision. The word of God says a raven would come every day, you know, morning and evening. According to clockwork, the raven would come. And it would bring fresh meat and give him. Fresh meat. I mean, Elijah didn't have to walk here or walk there. The raven would bring meat and come. And you have to understand this is a time of great famine. 
you have to understand a raven is a bird a crow is a scavenger right it doesn't even feed its young ones it it's so selfish but god the maker of heaven and earth commands nature he has control over nature right and he controls a raven to act counterintuitively and to go and pick up meat and supply you know that's what happens when you choose to obey god and when you choose to follow god to whatever door he opens even if it means a door of nowhere you know he will supernaturally provide you will experience the supernatural not in a place of your comfort and not in a place of convenience and not in a place where your mind can compute and process i think i should be here but when you abandon all safety nets and you say lord i have abandoned all safety nets i'm following you i'm in the middle of nowhere you know god will honor that kind of faith and you will experience the uh, the supernatural right you got to understand this god is deliberate with his thoughts of your location i want to say that again god is deliberate with your thoughts of location why care it ravine lot why not near the jordan because god is deliberate he does his purpose and location go together his purpose and location goes to the, together because you know why he makes streams not in the city but in the desert he makes a way not where the road highway is there and the four lane traffic but he makes a way in the wilderness that is the god that we we serve are you, do you find yourself in a wilderness right now i want to tell you i want to speak over you and say in jesus name god is making a way for you in the wilderness he's making a stream for you in the deserts right location and purpose go together before moses could be commissioned by god to lead the israelites out of egypt he was led by god through the door of nowhere to spend 40 years in the wilderness because he had to spend he was in the wilderness moses what's your address i don't know where i am everywhere i see it's it's desert it's it's wilderness it's wilderness i'm used to the palaces of egypt but god has led me to the wilderness it's 40 years 40 years is a long time 40 years is a generation 40 years in the middle of nowhere but because in the middle of nowhere is where moses encountered god he he was commissioned for the greatest task uh, you know that perhaps in terms of leadership he had to he had to release the the people who were in bondage for so many hundreds of years you know because he was god's chosen one and his commissioning was to going to happen in the middle of nowhere god commissions you in the middle of nowhere right jacob enter encountered god really in the middle of nowhere in genesis chapter 28 verse 11 to 15 the bible says when he reached a certain place he stopped for the night certain place i don't know what that place is he he reached a certain place he stopped for the night because the sun had set set taking one of the stones there he put it under his head and lay down to sleep he had a dream in which he saw a stairway rest uh, resting on the earth with its top reaching heaven and the angels of god were ascending and descending on it there above it stood the lord 
and he said i am the lord the god of your father abraham and god of isaac i will give you and the descendants the land on which you are lying certain place the land on which you are lying your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east to the north and to the south all peoples of the earth will be blessed through your offspring and i am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and i will bring you back to this land i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised you middle of nowhere jacob receives the promise of god a door in the middle of nowhere i want to tell you a door of nowhere seems empty and insignificant it may seem lord where am i right now i followed you i trusted you and i find myself in a place of nowhere it may seem empty and insignificant but i want to tell you the door of nowhere is precisely the place where god meets with us it's a place where god personally trains us and he prepares us for a significant phase of purpose the door of nowhere is also a destination of transition i want to tell you it's a destination of transition and not a place of permanency the door of nowhere is a destination of transition and not a place of permanency i want to share a personal testimony uh, it was i think uh, 2016 many of you are aware of my daughter's illness and even as i sat sat outside the icu waiting for, uh, you know for her uh, she was lying in the hospital i heard the voice of god in my spirit and the voice of god was very clear and god's voice said this rajiv don't waste another minute life is short life is un- uncertain live out your purpose and i knew what my purpose was to speak inspire and teach and to be that bridge between the church and the marketplace and the and long story short that intended me to quit my job god wanted me to quit my job which i was doing and by the grace of god it was a, it was an absolutely brilliant job working for the tatas uh, right up there at a cxo level the money was good the position was good rubbing shoulders with the who's who and god says throw in the towel this is not what he should be doing you know I, i had questions both of us had questions but we were clear that if god asks us to do this this is what we're going to do and by the grace of god we took that decision after after the time to quit and you're wondering lord where are we right now we're in the middle of nowhere right really in the middle of nowhere what to do next but god said don't worry isaiah 48:17 right if you read isaiah 48:17 i'll summarize it for you this is what it says for i am the lord and i will teach you how to profit and i will direct you in the way you should go it's been a year and a half and by the grace of god i want to tell you that god has been more than faithful because we decided we chose to by the grace of god to follow god in the middle of nowhere you know it's amazing when you follow god in the middle of nowhere you can actually experience the supernatural uh, you know we've never been so blessed like the way we've been blessed before on a job i want to tell you that i had loans to pay emis to pay in terms of housing loan and this loan and that loan but i want to tell you after quitting my job by the grace of god i want to tell you that we as a family owe no money to no man you know why because god supernaturally provides for you when you find yourself and you walk in the door of nowhere so when you think of the door of nowhere you know this is what i want you to think about that god is still god no matter where 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 he leads us we often think you know when i'm on the mountain top then i experience god but you want to experience god you'll experience god more in the valley of tears than the mountain top of celebration 
he is still god he is the god of the mountains and he is god of the valleys secondly you know when you read this whole episode of elijah you know god you understand that god is a god of the supernatural and he he operates the supernatural and he orchestrates the ravens to come and feed him okay when you are willing to walk through that specific door but as long as you sit in the boat or you sit in your comfort zone and say lord do this for me lord save me god is saying hey step out of the boat first walk on water and then i will show you what i can do but we want to be in a place of safety we want we want plan a and plan b and plan c and still praying lord see me through god is saying suspend all your plans and make me your only plan and then see what i'll do for you you will experience the supernatural when you walk in the door of nowhere you know it would be foolish to double guess god and try to assess the situations for ourselves when god has opened a door you know i told you like elijah you know if if i was elijah i'll probably say lord i don't think it's a good idea to spend time in kerith ravine strategically logically practically it makes more sense for me to be at the jordan because more water there elijah didn't do that god said go to kerith ravine the door i've opened for you in the middle of nowhere is kerith ravine but lord only small brook lord water is far lesser here no 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 you go there you go there right you don't double guess god god didn't tell him i'm going to send this i'm going to send that he just went there and he experienced god on a first hand basis don't double guess god you know the the fourth lesson i learned about the door in the middle of nowhere is this don't put your trust on a system instead put your trust on god when i quit my job people said hey are you sure i i think you're crazy to do this i mean why are you doing this i mean you've worked so hard and you've reached where you are in your corporate career right are you mad what you have is a dream right why are you throwing it away and to top it all your daughter also is not well right why are you doing this right and often I'll, i i must confess there were times when i was fearful as well right because you're used to getting a salary every month credited to your account okay but, the, but god spoke to us and said the salary you get every month perhaps is your greatest idol you're trusting a system to take care of your needs rather than your heavenly father who spoke and the world came to be if i can call the stars out by name and if i can feed the birds of the air why do you doubt me and he said don't trust system but put your trust on a savior and the door of nowhere when you walk into the door of nowhere you got to suspend trust on system your boss is not going to save you your job is not going to provide for you it's the savior who provides for you and his name is jehovah jaira my god who meets all my needs i want to take you to the next door took you to the door of nowhere the next door that we sometimes find difficult to recognize is what i call the door of improbability the door of improbability 1 kings chapter 17 verse 7 and 7 uh, to 9 first kings chapter 17 verse 7 to 9 sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land then the word of the lord came to him go at once to zarephath in the region of sidon and stay there I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I have directed there a widow to supply you with food. When Elijah was just getting comfortable with the supply of bread and meat and fresh water, 
guess what? The brook begins to dry up. The brook begins to dry up. Lord, I trusted you and I came here, Lord. I didn't utter a word, but whatever you said, I came and did. I'm here. But look at the water, Lord. It's, it's drying up, Lord. Lord, where are you, Lord? Where are you? And sometimes we are like that, right? We are like that. Lord, whatever you wanted me to do in your, my life, I've done. Why this should happen to me? And to top it all, we have lots of friends who come and say, where is your God? Where is your God? You stood for your God. Now, where is your God? See what's happening. Your brook is drying up. We told you then itself, it's foolishness. You should not do this. Stay here. But you said, no, no, God spoke to me and brought me here. Look at your God. See, he's abandoned you. The brook is drying up. Elijah was comfortable at that point in time. The brook was there. The raven would come like clockwork and supply him with food. Even before Swiggy and all the other food delivery services started here, there was a heavenly delivery through a raven that God had orchestrated. Right? And he was getting a little, perhaps wondering, what's going to happen? What's going to happen next? Maybe you're sitting here saying, what's going to happen next? I want to tell you that God, get ready for God is opening another door for you. And it's a door of improbability. And I'll tell you why I'm calling it the door of improbability. God says, go to Zarephath. And I want you to focus on the words in the scripture because look at the instruction of what? Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And the next few words are important. I have directed a widow. I have directed a widow that she will supply you with food. So now he had to leave the place and followed God and he went to Zarephath where apparently God had instructed a widow, a certain widow to, to take care of Elijah's need. The only twist is that when Elijah arrives at, at Zarephath, he indeed finds the widow, just like how God had said. There was a widow there, correct? She was collecting sticks. But the only twist in the tale is that she was collecting sticks to cook the last meal for her son. Because severe famine, so little of flour left, right? And so little of water left and so few drops of oil left. She was ready to make the last meal for herself and her son. So Elijah appears there on the scene and says, hey, why don't you make me a dosa or whatever that was, right? Uh, make me some bread. The lady looks up at him almost shocked, startled and says, as, as long as the Lord lives, as the Lord lives, this is what I have. We have only so little and, and we are preparing the last meal so that me and my son can eat and die. And there's a principle there. You can either eat and die or you can give and live. You can either eat and die or give and live. And often we fall victims to the first principle of wanting to eat and die, which is just for me, for me, for me, and keep. Or you can give, open-fisted, give and live. Give and live is a kingdom principle. Eat and die is a principle of the world. Remember that. That's another sermon for another day. But, but Elijah says, and if I'm Elijah, I'm thinking, Lord, you asked me to come to this place and you told that that lady is going to cook and take care of all my meals. But look at her. She's making the last meal for her to die. Now, this is very improbable that my needs are going to be met here. It's very improbable my needs are going to be met here. But God is God. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And then Elijah tells her, just do what I ask you to do. And God will ensure that you have an endless supply 
even though the famine may ravage right across all the lands but in your house you will always have supply and to cut a long story short she does it she cooks a meal for uh, elijah and that's exactly what happened you know that her needs were met and she and her son didn't have to die after all they lived comfortably there was one house which had a supply of food and that was the house of the widow because she took care of the need of the man of god again a principle there when you take care of the things of god god takes care of your needs okay don't wait to become a rich person and then say i'll take care of the needs of god with a little that you have give it to god it may be just five fish and two loaves give it to god 5000 will be fed and there will be baskets that remain you know jesus by the way news for you is that he's looking at how much you offer to you give right it's scriptural don't look at me like this right it's scriptural he was looking at everybody putting their money and there was that one lady she had the the last of what she had few copper coins and she put it and jesus commended that lady's giving more than anybody else's right well, let's come back to elijah at the outset the probability of elijah's needs being met as he passed through the door this door at zarafet seemed highly improbable but at the end god's word prevailed god's word prevailed and i'm thinking you know did god send elijah to zarafet so that his needs would be met or did god send elijah to zarafet because he saw a widow and her son preparing to die and maybe you are in that situation and saying nobody sees me i don't think my god sees me anymore but i want to tell you he sees you and i would think more the latter that god sent elijah to zarafet because he had mercy on that widow he saw the tears of that widow he saw the angst in that lady's heart and he said that lady's angst is calling my attention and i'm going to take care of her angst he's the god of the multitude and he's the god of the one as well and maybe you're sitting here and saying hey i don't know what's going to happen next i want to tell you that god's collected every tear of yours in a bottle maybe you've not uttered a prayer but he knows your thoughts and he's working a solution for you if you can only be obedient to this so what are the lessons from the door of improbability the improbability of the situation i want you to listen to this the improbability of the situation does not impact the sovereignty of god i'm in an improbable situation right now i find myself in a hopeless situation right now i don't know i don't i think this problem is too big for my god to handle right we get to that situation right if it's a headache i'll pray about it right if it's a cancer i don't think god can handle uh, heal me and i i come from that experience and i'm telling you that but i want to tell you that god for in god's mind no head, we only categorize headache is this stomach pain is maybe slightly higher then you know um, if i get a heart issue it's a little more serious if i get a cancer it's very very serious there is no gradation in god's mind okay there is no gradation in god's mind you know all things are possible by him all things you know so the improbability of the situation does not impact the sovereignty of god i don't know whether i've shared this but i'll share it again as as we got the as we got the report of my daughter's biopsy god had before that spoken to us through a dream and he said it's benign it's benign it's benign so we are very sure it's going to be benign 
But when the report came, the biopsy report came, that it was not benign, right? And it was ganglioneuroblastoma, which is in between being benign and malignant, which is actually, therefore, it's cancer. It has to be treated like cancer, uh, you know, and chemo is required, radiation is required. I was very upset with God. I said, Lord, you said it would be benign. Why am I getting this report? Why am I getting this report? God spoke to me. And he said the following. He said, Rajiv, I'm sovereign. I am God before the report and I'm still God after the report. I am God before the diagnosis. I'm still God after the diagnosis. I'm God before the judgment and I'm still God after the judgment. Trust me, I can handle this. So the, the, so the improbability of the situation does not impact the sovereignty of God. God is a God of the mountains and he's a God of the valleys. So maybe you're sitting here and saying, I, I find myself in a very improbable situation. But God is speaking to you today and saying, hey, you know what? I am still sovereign. I am still sovereign. I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Second lesson I learned from the door of improbability is God can use anyone irrespective of social standing, economic strata, age, gender to be an instrument of supply. And you need to stay alert and you need to stay humble. In this situation of improbability, Elijah's solution was going to come from a widow who had lost everything and who was preparing to die. You know, if I walked into the situation, I'd say, what can this widow do for me? Forget it. I'm going, I'm going to make my own plans, right? I'm going to make, what can she do? She's preparing to die. How can my solution come from? But Elijah didn't respond that way. He knew that God can use anybody, anybody. He, irrespective of economic strata, social standing, educational background, anybody God can use. But you and me got to be staying alert and humble. You know, feeding 5,000. I love that. I love that incident. He looks at, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, give me what you have. And I think somebody sarcastically would have said that, we have only five loaves and two fish. Give. But that belongs to a little boy. Little boy. Little boy willingly gave away his lunch. And the rest, as they say, is history. From that little boy's lunchbox, which his mother sweetly would have packed and sent for him, 5,000 men and their family ate and their baskets that remained. If I was the disciple, I said, what can come from this little boy? Little boy's lunchbox, what can come? But the greatest miracle came from a little boy's lunchbox. Right? He can use a Hebrew slave girl, Israelite slave girl, to cure a mighty commander called Naaman. And the slave girl says, Take him to the prophet there. Go my master to the prophet. You go to the prophet, he serves the living God and the living God will heal you. And if I'm the mighty commander, I'm saying, what can a slave girl do? But Naaman was humble enough to listen to the advice of that, of that slave girl and he received his healing. He received his healing. I can go on. I'm, I'm reminded of a few lepers at a time of great famine and they're thrown out of the city. And the city is blocked out because of the, uh, I think the enemies were there. They had blocked it out. And therefore there was great famine. And inside the city, uh, you know, uh, women were killing each other's sons and 
cooking children and eating them up that was the severity of the famine but these lepers you know they said if we stay out we're going to die let's go into the enemy camp and see what's there maybe they'll kill us either way it's death so let's go there and see what's happening when they go there they discover abandoned camps there and there's plenty of food and there's plenty of everything there and they say we can't sin by keeping quiet about this even though they are discarded by the city and by the city dwellers and thrown out they go back there and say there is food there god used lepers so that and saved a nation so the point i'm trying to make is this don't 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 think too big of yourself and don't think that hey my, this my solution god solution can't come through this person or that person or this god will bring his solution from anybody you and me got to be alert about this you got to be prepared to walk into the door of improbability don't wait for situations to become better or conducive to choose and walk in you know sometimes you're saying lord i hear what you're saying but let things become a little better then i will start to act i hear what you're saying lord but i'm going to wait for things to get a little better the door of improbability requires immediate obedience i'm reminded of the the israelites they wanted to cross god tells them to cross the jordan and the jordan is in you know in spate it it's flooding jordan and the instruction is cross jordan but the moment i mean if i was joshua and the team there i would have said let the water levels recede a little bit then i will start crossing but joshua and didn't give that instruction he said start walking and the moment the, the bible says the moment the priests the soles of their feet touched the water the water split and that's how it is in the door of improbability when you walk in you will begin to see clearer what to do next don't wait for the full plan you take the first step and the next step will become more visible so i'm asking you are you hesitating to walk in the door that as god has opened for you because it seems like a door of improbability but i want to tell you if god has chosen to open that door for you walk in boldly and as you walk in you will watch god fulfill his promise to you despite the improbability i want to share with you we got that report which said it is gangliolinoblastoma and god spoke and said i'm still god you know we had to walk the door of improbability it seemed very improbable that the promises of god is going to be fulfilled it seemed very, because all the doctors were saying this is bad this report is bad this report is bad we took another scan it it seemed like it was spreading in four places more it not seemed it is spread to four places more and a us- the doctor was very usually calm and composed he got very jittery at that moment when he saw the report he said you have to do something now you have to start the treatment now you have to start the chemotherapy now and she was very fragile my daughter at that age at that time it seemed very improbable god said it's benign it's benign it's benign god said in luke chapter 8 and verse 50 do not fear only believe your daughter will be made well it seemed very improbable how is this going to happen because the experts and the reports are saying something else god's word is here the reports of the experts are here it's not even coinciding i can't see any cloud in the sky seem very improbable but i want to tell you that by the grace of god that over a period of time and now more than a year and a half my do- my daughter is cancer free because my god is sovereign because my god is sovereign he and because when he says a word he fulfills the word it may seem improbable but trust and obey trust and obey 
you know in his track record god's track record it's an unblemished track record his track record does not have you know god said this and it did not happen when he says something it will come to pass it may seem improbable for you where you are sitting right now i don't know maybe it's a health situation maybe it's a job situation maybe it's a relational situation maybe it's a financial situation whatever that situation is god asked me to be a i'm here it seems very improbable i don't see it happening you don't need to see it happening if god has spoken it you just do your part which is walk in to that door of improbability and watch the sovereignty of god you know infuse the supernatural and you will experience the word the fulfillment of the word which god has spoken over your life don't stand outside the door of improbability walk into it when you walk into it you will see the word of god being fulfilled i want to take you to the next door the third door well the third door is what i call the door of giants the door of giants we spoke about the door in, in the middle of nowhere we spoke about the door of improbability i want to talk to you about the door of giants okay this is in numbers chapter 13 verses 1 to 2 numbers chapter 13 verses 1 to 2 The Lord said to Moses, "Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders." Okay, let's read that again a little slowly because there's an important phrase there. The Lord said to Moses, "Send some men to explore the land." You have a pen. You may want to underline the next set of words, which I am giving to the Israelites. which i am giving to the israelites from each ancestral tribe send one of its leaders so we know what happened 12 uh, 12 spies israelite spies were sent into the land to check out the land which god was giving to the israelites right god didn't say i'm i'm thinking of whether it will happen or not god didn't say uh, you go fight and see if you win then maybe you will take the land but god said i'm giving this to the israelites which means in god's mind he's already given it you go and see it go check it out and come that's all go check go see the land which i'm giving you not go and see the land if it's possible for me to give you he didn't say that and so therefore 12 spies go right and these 12 men walked in through a door that led them to the land that god was about to give them as an inheritance okay and these 12 people go there they see the land truly it's a land flowing with milk and honey you know they brought back fruits the fruits were so large that they had to carry it in poles and come into the grapes right was so big massive immensely prosperous land flowing with milk and honey abundance prosperity like they've never seen before god was true to his word they came back with a report the 12 spies there was agreement in the report the agreement in the report was it is truly a land flowing with milk and honey it's truly a land land which is prosperous It's truly a land which which is amazing. Yeah, on the land there are there are giants. There was agreement. There was disagreement. 10 of them said no chance of us getting this land. Why? Because there are giants there. And and I like what they said. In our own eyes, in our own eyes, we look like grasshoppers, right? We look like grasshoppers in front of them. There is no chance So you know, so they started singing their chorus again. You know what their chorus was? Let's go back to Egypt. They started singing their theme song again, right? So there were ten spies who said that, but there were two other people, Joshua and Caleb, right? They agreed with them. They said, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there are giants, but this is where we disagree. If God delights in us, we can take that land. 
if god delights in us we can take that land or what's just happened here god's opened the door for them but this door was a door of giants door of giants they were the israelites were so keen to rewind the clock and all the pain and all the challenges and and they've come to the entrance of their inheritance and they're saying forget the inheritance we're going to go back to become slaves when god wanted them to inherit and become inheritors they wanted to become slaves again you know before i point a finger to them you know i want to point a finger to myself and to all of us because we often act like that with that kind of a mindset god wants you to become inheritors but often we're saying lord i don't want inheritors seems too much of a problem too many giants there let me go back to where i was which is becoming a slave becoming a slave you see you need to be willing to tread the road marked with giants to stake your claim for inheritance i want to say that again you need to be willing to walk the road filled with giants to stake your claim for inheritance the door of giants may seem to be a location that makes you feel small and inadequate so it will be you will feel small lord who am i lord i can't do this lord look at the people here look at i'm not qualified lord i don't have the education i don't have this skill i don't have that i don't have this ability i don't have that ability i don't think i can do this hey you know what it's not about you it's about god often we think you know i have to do this no you don't have to do it you and me have to just show up on that road you and me need to take positions in the battlefield because the battle is the lord's your job and my job is to go to the battlefield and take position but often we don't want to do that also say lord i'll sit on my sofa you go to the battlefield you do your job and come and then i will say the the battle is the lord the victory is mine no 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 the battle is the lord sure but you and me have to set foot on the battlefield you have to set foot you have to stare eyeball to eyeball to the giant i am reminded of uh, the israelites right under saul they were camped there and every day that goliath would come and say send me one man send me one man and whoever wins this you know wins the battle and they would dress up for battle all the soldiers would dress up for battle every day they would go stand every day this would happen and when they would hear the voice of goliath they would all retreat back until david showed up on the scene and david said who is this uncircumcised philistine to to defy my god right and he said i don't want the armor i can't walk in the armor of saul you know i i i'll do what god has trained me with right i don't have the ability to walk with this armor i don't have the qualification to wear the to carry a sword you know what he didn't carry a sword but you know what he took the stones five smooth stones uh, and he took the uh, what do you call that the sling and the bible says that goliath looked at david and said he laughed and he got insulted and he said who is this boy i mean what am i here? who who do you think i am that you come like this but david didn't get worried about the giant he shouted back at the giant you come against me with sword and spear but i come against you in the name of my god and today i'm going to cut your head off and he didn't have a sword by the way <laughs> right he had to borrow saul's uh, sorry goliath's sword right and the rest as they say is history 
and the word of god said when 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 david heard the voice of the giant which these israelite army every day would hear and get scared and go back the reaction of of david or the response of david was to run towards the giant he ran towards goliath and the rest you know that was the initiation of david to become the future king like no other king israel has seen was because david ran he didn't walk on the road marked with giants he ran on that road to meet his giant head on because he realized it's not me it's my god it's my god you know has god opened the door of giants for you and i want to tell you maybe you're sitting standing here or sitting here and you're saying hey rajiv you don't understand my life you don't know the situations i'm going through you don't understand the giants that i'm facing right when you walk through the giants road marked with giants if god's open the door for you walk boldly in it right see when you're walking through the road that is marked with giants you can either have your eyes focused on the giants or you can have your eyes focused on god okay you can't it's not an and i will look at the giants and look at my god and that that's the problem we happens with us right we sometimes are so full of faith oh this disease no problem my god is there then somebody else says something and then you know our faith level just shrinks goes underground and then we start staring at the giant right when you're walking on the road marked with giants you're either you have to make a decision it's either i'm going to look to god or i'm going to look at my giant you can't do both right and see when you're focused on the giants what happens when you're focused on the giants you're activating fear okay but when you focus on god you're activating faith again it's an either or when you when you're looking at the giants when 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 Saul and his army were looking at the giants they were activating faith and that's why they were paralyzed they just couldn't move every day they would go they would be stuck they go come back but david was not looking at the giant he was looking at his god the god who saved me from the paw of the bear and of the and of the lion right can save me from this that was his justification it's not me i didn't fight any lion god saved me from it god save if he can save me from that this is just another giant like that right so i want to ask you so where are you looking at what are you activating are you activating fear or what you look at will determine what you activate start looking at god right the third thing is when you are led by fear you operate with a mindset of of a slave when you operate when you are led by fear is a nadakuma nadakada how is this going to happen how will that happen you know this person's uh, situation was like that i think my situation also will be like that when you're operating with fear you you know you are operating with a mindset of a slave and that's why they said we don't want all this land flowing with milk and honey let it be we want to go back and become slaves to pharaoh again right but when you operate with faith you operate with a mindset of an inheritor if god is pleased with us we'll have these guys for breakfast right if god is pleased for us you know we we can we can annihilate these people we will take possession of that land i want to ask you are you prepared to be a slave or are you focused to be an inheritor god wants each of you sitting here to be an inheritor of an inheritance that we are not qualified for of an inheritance that we don't deserve but which he has promised and the, and the keys to inherit that that in that inheritance to receive that inheritance is to walk boldly in the in the road that is marked with giants because you know your eyes are fixed on him the author and the finisher of your faith 
right? You got to go past giants to stake claim of your inheritance. Don't let giants keep you from entering the door which God has opened for you. Okay? I want to speak to you about one last door and I'm going to finish. Right? We spoke about the door in the middle of nowhere. We spoke about the door of improbability. We spoke about a door marked with giants. Right? I want to speak about one last door and we are done. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. Right? Paul writes this and Paul says this. Because of a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Right? Because of a great door that has opened for me and, and there are many who oppose for me. Look at that statement, right? It's a bit of, it, it is quite contrarian. One part he's saying something very positive. On the other part, he's ending it with being very negative, right? He says, and Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he says, I want to stay back in Ephesus for some time. And the reason for him wanting to stay back in Ephesus was because I recognize that God has opened a great door for effective work. And that's why I want to stay back. And he says, I want to stay back also because there are many who oppose me. It doesn't seem to gel. But he's making a very important point here. Right? He says, the, the door is so great. The potential to do this effective work is so great. Right? There are many who oppose me. I don't, I'm not bothered about the people who oppose me. I'm looking at the opportunity to encash the potential to do great work for God. The fact is this, that great doors have great opportunities. You agree with me? Great doors have great opportunities. But they also have great opposition. They also have great opposition. In fact, greater the opportunity, greater will be the opposition. And in a sense, if you're not, if you're not facing opposition, it perhaps means that you are not attempting great things for God. You know, yesterday we were in a seminar and uh, one of the speakers was asked a question. This man is a young man, young doctor from, from London, very young doctor. And, you know, he works uh, as a doctor daytime. In the night he goes and does odd jobs, okay. He works in restaurants, he works here, he works there. You may think, why should a doctor work in a restaurant? You know why? Because whatever money that he collects, right, uh, he earns, he uses it for church planting in India and to empower Indian missionaries. So much so, he showed a, his shoes, his shoes are wrapped up with tape. You know that kind of tape because it is all opening and tearing. He's not buying new shoes. He's taking tape and he's wrapping it up again and again. Why? Because I'm, I don't want to waste money buying new shoes. I want to send that money for charity to India. You know, that kind of a life he's living. Amazing life. You're so challenged by him. Young guy. He can't be more than 24, 25. At, at best. So he was asked a question. When you hear about persecution and all that happening, how do you respond? Okay, and the long and short of his answer was, when I hear persecution, one part of me says, wow. Wow? I mean, what do you mean wow? It means, I, I, he says, I, I say wow because it means that somebody there is doing something um, amazing for the kingdom of God, which is attracting opposition. And the second part of me says, hey, if I'm, not, if I'm not facing persecution in a sense, it means I'm feeling bad because I'm not doing something good for God. You understand what I'm saying? Very radical thought, but very powerful thought. Very powerful thought. And Paul is saying the same thing. A great door is open for me. 
of a great work and there are also many people who actually oppose me in life you know when god opens doors and you see there's a great opportunity there but you have to understand this that opposition always precedes opportunity you know when you, you see the opportunity you want to go get you want to encash that opportunity but before you can go and encash this opposition that's actually coming there and therefore paul says you know i don't want to let this opposition deter me from doing the great work which god has done because god has opened a great door for me you see when you when you when you're facing opposition you're almost always doing something right except if you're planning to rob a bank or something and people oppose you those are out of the question but almost always right when you're when you're doing something right you will face opposition okay so just one last verse hebrews chapter 3 and verse 19 hebrews 3 and verse 19 again talking about the israelites this is what we read there so we see that they were not able to enter because of their because of their what i can't hear you because of their unbelief they had come to the one more step they'll enter into the promised land one more step you'll enter into your promised land one more step you'll enter into that place where god has prepared for you the fulfillment of god's word one more step but the israelites here the bible says they could not enter because of their unbelief because of their unbelief talking about opposition maybe you're sitting here and saying lord how much of opposition in my life lord opposition in the form of health issues opposition in terms of misunderstandings opposition in terms of challenges at work opposition in terms of being treated badly every time i try to do something something bad happens to me why lord how long lord i want to tell you it's through the friction of opposition that the power of god will be demonstrated in your life it's through the friction of opposition you know when you when you take those metal pieces and you rub them together sparks begin to fly and it's in that sparks things happen right it's through the friction of opposition that the power of god will be demonstrated in your life so you're saying how do i respond to this opposition do i need to form a committee and go and start fighting with the people who are opposing me well respond to opposition through prayer humility and faith that's your battle strategy that is my battle strategy you don't have to go and prove a point to anybody you don't have to go and say see what you did this now see what i'm going to do you may want to tell them that you tell them this is what i'm going to do i'm going to fall on my knees i'm going to pray i'm going to love you all the more right and i'm going to trust god that he gives me justice that's due to me humility prayer and faith we're saying but you know what we have to fight this opposition sure fight this opposition you don't fight it allow god to fight the battles of opposition don't take matter into your own hands instead submit them into the hands of god opposition unfair i agree it's unfair i should go and fight it no you don't take matters into your hand but you you take them and hand it over to god into god's hands that's why he says cast your cares unto me because i care for you cast your burdens unto me for i care for you right often we want to take it in our own hands don't it's a waste of time remember this a life of purpose will attract opposition while the path of least resistance is devoid of opposition but is flooded with mediocrity i'll say that again i'll say it a little slowly a life of purpose will attract opposition right 
பட் அ பாத் ஆஃப் லீஸ்ட் ரெசிஸ்டன்ஸ் ஐ டோன்ட் வாண்ட் ப்ராப்ளம் இந்த பிரச்சனை வேணா இது வேணா கம்ஃபர்டபுளாக இருந்தால் சரி நோ ப்ராப்ளம் பாத் ஆஃப் லீஸ்ட் ரெசிஸ்டன்ஸ் இஸ் டிவைட் ஆஃப் ஆப்போசிஷன் ஷுவர் தஸ் நோ ஆப்போசிஷன் தேர் பட் இட் இஸ் ஃப்ளடட் வித் மீடியாக்ரிட்டி and god doesn't want any of his children to be mediocre or average he wants them to be exceptional he wants them to be excellent god doesn't want any of his children to say I, i'm just surviving he doesn't want you to survive but he wants you to thrive that's the god that we worship he wants you to flourish and not flounder that's the god that we want and you want to say you know lord here i am no, no matter if there's opposition or no opposition lord if you open this door i'm going to walk in it lord i'm going to walk in it i spoke to you about four doors the door in the middle of nowhere the door of improbability the door of giants and the door of great opposition right so what is our response what is our response number 1 remember and realize that when god opens a door for us it is for his purposes to be achieved sometimes we think it's all about us right it's not about us it's all about him and that's why god opens a door for us it's not so much about our personal comfort or convenience as much as it is about achieving the will of god when god opens the door oh god has opened the door i'm going to enjoy and relax now no no it's not about us it's about his will being achieved remember this your personal blessing is an integral part of the fulfillment of god's purpose your personal blessing is an integral part in the fulfillment of god's public purposes number joseph joseph recognized that and he said it is not you who sent me here it is god who sent me here to save lives god elevated joseph from a prisoner to a prime minister because he wanted to save lives not so much about joseph being elevated as much as of the purposes of god god's public purposes being fulfilled right remember an open door is about being a blessing to someone else god opened a door for elijah but i think it was more about the widow at zarephath So when God pro- promises you and God blesses you it's not about you being rich and famous and popular but it's about you being a blessing to somebody else why does God open doors an open door is about trusting God and choosing to obey it's about trusting God not telling God open a door like this for me whatever door God opens you trust and obey if he says kerith ravine you go to kerith ravine if he says go to zarafet you go to zarafet wherever God opens a door you keep moving you know we often pray for god to open a door for me you know, but when he opens them we don't walk in them and that's the greatest tragedy an open door requires you to look forward and not look behind you know we are we are all at the beginning of a new year right almost just a, before we know it already a month is over right but an open door is about looking forward and look not looking behind that's why we read in isaiah 43 was 18 and 19 forget the former things behold i'm making a new thing for you do you not even perceive it if you want to recognize the new things that god is doing for you the first thing you got to do is forget the former things the point is we keep remembering the former things that's why you can't recognize the new things that god is doing for you right and finally accessing the open door requires you to walk by faith and not by sight we read that verse in hebrews uh, 11 and verse 8 uh, 11 and verse 8 by faith when called abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going you are saying hey i want lord open a door for me but the question is walking that door requires you to walk by faith 
and not by sight it is as you walk in faith into the doors that god has opened you that the picture becomes clearer and god can be trusted his faithfulness is consistent and constant his promises are reliable and a sure foundation right so i don't know where you are in life but i want to tell you that we serve a god who opens doors and you got to trust him and not say lord open a door like this for me then i will go no no today this morning you want to i want to pray for you and say join with me as we pray and say lord if if you want to join with me it's up to you and you want to make that commitment and say lord whatever you do you open for me i will walk into it there are problems in my life there are challenges in my life there are situations in my there's there's sadness also in my life hey if that's you there's sadness also in my life but you know what i want to leave all that aside i'm going to say lord i'm i'm going to worship you despite the difficulties in my life and whatever door you open for me whether whether it's a door in the middle of nowhere whether it's a door of improbability whether it's a door that's marked with giants whether it's a door of great opposition lord i'm going to walk i'm going to walk so with every eye closed and if you and you want to make a commitment and saying lord i'm willing to walk in any door that you open for me even if the path is difficult i choose to walk in that door because you lead me lord and i know i can trust you and i know lord you will work all things for good for me even though i can't understand it i can't process it even though it's difficult i'm going to walk if that's you uh, i'm just requesting you to stand to your feet wherever you are just going to pray for you and close right i'm going to say lord i respond i respond this morning i'm responding this morning and i'm saying lord i am willing to walk in that door if that's you wherever you are you could just stand to your feet just going to pray for you wherever you are just just respond to god not to man but let that commitment be a very 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 honest commitment let it be a decision you're making this morning saying i'm going to walk in that door i'm going to walk in that door it's a difficult door but i'm going to walk in that door i'm going to walk in that door father we want to thank you oh father see i've set before you an open door which no man can shut and father sometimes we we think those doors that you open for us are doors which are rosy and which are which are beautiful to look at sometimes yes they are but most times they aren't and be, and we realize that, that lord if we want to walk into the place the position and the purposes that you've set for us lord then we have to walk into any door that you choose to open for us the choice of what kind of door is not in our hands it's it's in your hands and that's why lord we want to join david oh master the psalmist in psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want where he leads i will follow lord that we want to, my sheep know my voice my sheep know my voice so lord we want to be the sheep which know the voice of the master we want to be sheep who know the the, the voice of the shepherd that where the shepherd leads i will follow shepherd of my soul i give you full control we don't want to sing that song but we want to live that life oh father we don't want to just sing that song we want to live that life so lord i pray for everybody who's standing and everybody who's who's making a decision saying i will follow you lord 
I will follow you, Lord. I pray that you will strengthen that commitment, Lord. I pray that you will empower them. I pray, Lord, you will strengthen their faith, O oh Father God, that they will know that my God is in control. My boat may be rocking. There may be times it seems like I'm walking on stormy waters, but my God is in control. My God is in control. And I know through the mess, a message will arise. Through the test, a testimony will arise, oh Father God. And Lord, that everybody who see me, who laughed at me, who said this, this person is going down, will recognize and see and declare with their own mouth, see what their God has done for them. The day is not far away, oh Master, when people will recognize around us that this person chose to radically obey, chose to look funny and stupid in the eyes of people because of obeying God and see what their God has done. So whatever door you open, O oh shepherd of my soul, we will follow. Lord, we give you worship, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we worship you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for his word to us this morning. What a powerful word we have received. Hallelujah. I'm sure that we have all experienced that powerful word of God uh, penetrating into our hearts and bringing about that stirring our hearts and giving us a new measure of faith this morning to step into the doors that God has set before us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Shall we just lift our voice and just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for using his servant in our midst this morning and speaking to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are prepared to walk into that door that you have, in, Lord, that you have opened for us, O oh Father. Whatever be the door, we are ready, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we just tell the Lord, yes, Lord, I am ready, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just say, yes, Lord. Your yes, Lord, can be the greatest opening for a miracle. Hallelujah. Just to say, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We just pray that you continue to, Lord, speak to us, Lord. Bring back to memory all that we have heard this morning, O oh, Father. We pray that your Holy Spirit will remind to us everything, Lord, that you've deposited in our hearts this morning. And we pray that we will, Lord, step into the destiny that you have in store for us. Lord, whatever be it, Lord, we are ready and willing, O oh, Father. But we know that, Lord, victory is ours. Hallelujah. As we follow you, Master, you lead us, Lord, not into a path of defeat, but into a path of victory, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, you continue to minister to us and bless us, O oh Father. We thank you, Lord, even as we, Lord, prepare ourselves to participate in your table. And as we come together as your body, as your people. And Lord, remember the sacrifice that you did on the cross for us. We are grateful to you, Lord, that you have opened a door for us because, Lord, of your sacrifice. Lord, even as that way and the temple was torn from top to bottom. We thank you for that open door that we through which, Lord, that we could enter into the Holy of Holies and, Lord, experience, uh, Lord, your love and a relationship with you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we who are outside in the outer courts have an access to the, Lord, Holy of Holies this morning. Father, we are grateful to you for your blood that was shed and your body that was broken for us. And Father, we pray that even as we come together and participate in your broken body and your shed blood, we pray that you would strengthen us. We pray that you'll draw us closer to you and that we will truly, Lord, uh, experience the oneness and Lord, uh, the togetherness as your body, as your children, as your people, as your church. Lord, as one body, that we come together and glorify your name. And we pray that you bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.